Welcome to Broadway Radio's uh, special edition, the final of our three-part series of Matt's visit to New York City and his reviews of the shows that he has watched. Matt, welcome to Monday Morning. It is very much Monday morning. It's a holiday, though, right? I guess, technically? It's sort of a holiday. You know, my wife and I, we were like, should we put out the trash? Should we not put out the trash? We're like, it's a federal holiday. It's President's Day here in the United States. We didn't put out the trash. Then 6 a.m., the trash machine came down. Ah. Yeah. And we scurried to get the trash out to the corner. Curses foiled again. Yes, exactly. So you've had uh, a pretty intense, uh, is it? How many days? Seven days? Eight days in New York? Uh, yeah, eight days. Eight days. Eight days a week um, here in New York. And you are wrapping up and heading back to the warmer parts of the United States oh, uh, after God. seeing <laughs> seeing you – know, it's been pretty cold the last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, after seeing a number of shows. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, – you saw Unknown Soldier, Anatomy of a Suicide, uh, Unsinkable Molly Brown – and Moulin Rouge. Correct. So, why don't we start off with uh, Unknown Social? What'd you think of that? Well, um, I saw the very first preview on Friday evening. So, the show doesn't open until March 9th. So, again, going to keep things fairly vague for uh, out of respect for their preview process. But I will say it's, a, it's an absolutely lovely show. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, going in, but what it, what I was expecting was not this. This is, of course, I believe the final musical written by Michael Friedman to get its New York premiere. Um, it is has a book and lyrics by Daniel Goldstein. It is directed by Trip Coleman. It stars, I guess you could say the stars are um, Margot Siebert and Kirsten Anderson, and they are both fantastic. Um, the show is a lot a sweeter and senti- more sentimental than I expected it to be. Um, I thought with a title like Unknown Soldier, and I did not read much about it going in, um, I thought it would be a uh, – I, I don't know what I thought it would be, James, to be honest with you. But it's um, it's, a, it's a much more personal story. Um, it's very, very well done. Um, Estelle Parsons is in it as well, but not oh. very much. Um, she's not in it. So Estelle Parsons stands. Don't go in thinking it's an Estelle Parsons show, but um, she's great. Uh, Eric Lochtefeld uh, is is also probably the other lead, along with uh, Kirsten and Margot. Um, but it's a really, really lovely show. I, I'm sure that it it will evolve and develop as. Um, the preview process continues, but it's it's a, a lovely show. I don't know that any of the music necessarily stuck with me. Um, as often, modern musical theater, a lot of the songs blend together for me. But um, it, it was lovely while I was watching it. It's a very smart, very well-crafted show um, that has a lot more to do with family and finding – uh, truth and answering questions and, and finding things that we've lost. Um, and it's uh, it's a show that I think will do very well. I think it'll get very good reviews. And uh, I would not be surprised if this one ends up filtering out to the regional theaters and, and ends up getting done quite a bit across the country uh, in, in the coming years. Uh, and this is uh, a transfer again from Williamstown Theater Festival? Uh, that I don't know. It's at Playwrights Horizons. I'm not sure if it originated at Williamstown or not, but that wouldn't surprise me if it did. Well, I see it over at the Williamstown Theater Festival website. Then that's uh, a, probably a very good indication that it is. <laughs> world premiere musical. 
Uh, you know, it says July 30th, August 9th, 2015 season. So gestating for five years well, or so. Yeah, with uh, with Michael's untimely death, I'm sure that yeah, a lot sure. of things got put on hold, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Uh, so, and and the and the wayback machine of the internet's allows us to see that. So that's great. Uh, next, you got over to Atlantic Theater Company's Anatomy of a Suicide. What did you think of this? Okay, so this one opens tomorrow on Tuesday. So I have no problems talking about this one um, since I did pay for this ticket as well. Um, this is probably one of the most difficult shows to watch, not in terms of content, but in terms of construction. This show, and we talked about this show a little bit, so I was a little prepared for how this show worked. This had an original run, uh, I want to say a year ago or two years ago in London, so I was a little prepared. But this story actually has effectively three different stories in it. And they happen all at the same time. And when I say they happen all at the same time, it's not like they're three stories intertwined. It's They are literally happening at the same time. You will have dialogue from multiple characters being spoken on top of each other. So th- basically these three stories, one story almost always occurs stage right. One story almost always occurs center stage. One stage story almost always occurs in sta- on stage left. And they uh, – they are connected. Um, I won't I won't spoil how they are connected, um, but a lot of them will often be happening with dialogue being spoken at the same time. So you really have to focus on you have to choose what you focus on throughout the show. Um, if you're interested, Carla Gugino, since she's the biggest name in this cast, um, she happens almost exclusively stage right. Um, and it's uh, a, a very difficult show to watch um it deals as you would imagine with a title like anatomy of a suicide it deals with a lot of mental illness issues um and goes into a lot of depth on those um but it's a a very very well acted show especially from uh carla gugino and uh, an actress named celeste arias who plays anna they are really giving you every possible thing they could give you uh in this show it's it's very well um uh it, it it's very good at giving them opportunities to deliver every single part of themselves uh, on stage it is a difficult thing to what you have to be mentally prepared it's also an hour and 45 minutes with no intermission so if you think oh i'm gonna drink some coffee to make sure that i'm uh, mentally able to follow everything then you have to go to the bathroom don't do that because i had the person behind me struggling with that throughout the show um but it's it's uh it's, it's a show that Deals with the, the the family histories of mental illness and how the issues of one generation can impact the next generation and how those are passed down not only through DNA but also through experiences. And it's a, it's a show that is is difficult not only to watch because of trying to follow the different storylines, but it's uh, there's a lot of not graphic as in physically graphic. Uh, like you see, but you do see things. Um, so it's it's a show that is. I think it'll get very good reviews. The acting's great, but um, it's a challenge. So if you go to this show, expect to be challenged, both mentally and in terms of where you're able to divide your attention. 
Okay. So, um, not a first date play. No, I would not even think like a 20th date play or 20th <laughs> anniversary play. <laughs> okay. R- relationships do not do well in this show. So, talking about first date plays, uh, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, uh, you got to see that in one of its first previews. Was it the first preview or was it one of the first previews? No, it, I believe it started performances on February 8th, so I guess I saw oh, that on week. the yeah. 16th, yes. So, uh, what do you think about this transport group? Well, this is, as we've talked about over the years, James, a show that's been through a lot um, with Kathleen Marshall and Beth Malone, especially. They did it in, I think, I, th- I think Denver was first. Then it went to the Muni, and now it's here. We talked about the fact that this would be a tough sell to get on Broadway, even though that's what they had originally built it as. Um, and I think after seeing it, that's very much true. I don't I don't see this as a show that can play on Broadway, um, especially not in the form that it took at the Abrams Arts Center, which is all the way down to – which is pretty much as close to Brooklyn as you're going to get uh, while still being on uh, the island of Manhattan. But – while I don't think that it's going to be able to be a show that you're going to see on Broadway, seeing Beth Malone's performance makes me understand why they would have originally wanted this to be on Broadway. She is fantastic. And in a role that is very much not like what you saw from her in Fun Home, she is um, she's fun, she's strong, um, and vocally it is just so different than what we heard um uh, for, from her in, in Fun Home that if you only know her from that, I think you'll be surprised. She's really, really fantastic. It's directed and choreographed by Kathleen Marshall, um, so you know that that's going to be fun. It's a small cast um, for a an old classic musical, but the, the cast is really strong. Um, again, it's still in previews, I guess, technically, although it's had three previous productions or whatever, um, with a slightly different cast, of course. But... Um, excuse me, um, has folks like Whitney Basher, who, you know, I love, uh, Paolo Montalban, Nika Graf Lanzaroni, uh, and, uh, playing, uh, Molly Brown's eventual husband, spoiler alert, um, is David Aaron Damon. I believe his name is, he was also in the, um, uh, the Carmen Jones that was a classic stage a couple years ago, and he's really, really fantastic in this show. Um, it's a ton. Of, it's a ton of fun. It's a classic musical that I don't know that people will ever get an opportunity to see again produced in this um, high quality of a production, even if it's in a I don't even I mean, the space is very much not uh, what you would consider a, a normal theater where you see this talent um, at it's almost kind of like an old church or either church or school auditorium. Um, but it's a, it's a fun per- production and uh, it's, it's something that I'm glad that I got to see. Cause I don't know when the next time I'll ever get to see a production of the unsinkable Molly Brown. Okay. So that is uh, Molly Brown. And uh, who, did you go with anybody famous? No, 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 did not go with anybody famous. I saw Robbie was there. I wasn't sure if you saw no. Robbie if they were at the same performance. He went the next night. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, speaking of famous, you uh, saw a musical with a bunch of famous songs in it uh, that were woven together. Is this your second viewing of Moulin Rouge or is this the first time? This is second. Yeah, second time. So uh, why did you go back? 
Um, one of my non-famous friends wanted to see it, and I figured, <laughs> eh, I'll, I'll see it again. I mean, I didn't love it You're the first time. You're good to the little people. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> she's, she might not be famous to people on this podcast, but she's more famous than I am outside of this. So, yeah. <laughs> and what did you think? Um, you know, I think I, I, I thought pretty much the same thing as, as what I thought originally, that it's it's very well-crafted uh, in terms of the uh, design and the and the uh, the look and the visuals and the spectacle of the show, I think that the way that they slammed random songs into the show really robs the story of its impact, and it feels, in a lot of cases, a lot more like a music video than an actual musical. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable to watch and the people dancing and all the booty shaking and the costumes and the performances. Um, interestingly enough, the first time that I saw the show, uh, Danny Burstein was out he was shooting something at that time. Um, Danny was back and he was great. So it was good to see him. But the first time I did see Karen Olivo, but on over the weekend, actually, she was out for all of the performances over the weekend. And I saw her standby, Ashley Lauren. Um, she actually came to the role having played Satine in Baz Luhrmann's Las Vegas show, which was obviously not Moulin Rouge, but includes things from Moulin Rouge. Um, so she's at least familiar with the role. Um, she is probably at least 10 to 15, maybe more years younger than Karen Olivo. And I think that changes the way that the character reads, especially because there's actually dialogue about um, Satine being older. Um, so I think that changes it, but vocally she was very good. Um, she sounded great. Um, she didn't act as well as Karen Olivo, but Karen Olivo is one of the best. Um, so that some of the second act, um, drama that we see play out between Satine and Christian and the Duke didn't hit as well as I think it did with Karen. Um, but vocally Ashley was, uh, was wonderful. I thought she was great. Um, but the show itself, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it doesn't have the, the silliness or the heart, um, or the drama, the emotional drama that the film does. And, and I really attribute that to the book not being great and them trying too hard to include too many songs in snippet form. I, I still thought that the, best musical numbers were when songs were able to play out for more than 30 seconds. And unfortunately they did a lot of mashups. And I think that that not being able to have the through line of a specific song really hurt, um, the storytelling. And it disappoints me as somebody who loves the film, but I'm um, still enjoyable. It's, it's hard not to go into that theater and look around and see all of the, the theming that they did around the theater and, mm. and be impressed, but overall still an enjoyable experience, but still left me wanting more, um, than, than what we actually got from the musical itself. Okay. So that wraps up your, uh, New York trip for the winter of 2020. Uh, do you have anything in the, you know, thought in the back of your mind when you're coming back? I think that I will be here for some work purposes the week before the Tony Awards. So that should be interesting. Okay. Excellent. So uh, we'll have to figure that out. There's uh, a few things that have been going around that I wanted to get a quick take, a hot take on you. Oh, boy. Uh, so um, do we now have to uh, ban pepper spray from Broadway theaters? My, you know, I, ironically, I was walking back 
to my hotel and I walked by the Broadhurst and there was a ton of police presence, including dogs and a bunch of cars outside. And I was like, I wonder what happened. Something has to have gone on. And I got back to my hotel and I saw that story about someone breaking out pepper spray in the middle of Jagged Little Pill. And I just, what? And do we know what the, what? caused that yet i haven't seen any reporting so on that. there was uh two different things the initial report was that there was an argument between two people in the audience about somebody using a cell phone during a performance and somebody pulled out a pepper spray and sprayed uh and that seems to be debunked by an okay, announcement good. by the by the producers the producer said that uh, it was in somebody's bag and accidentally got uh, discharged while in the bag. Um, and that makes more sense. Offered, um, they offered refunds to everybody, and I was uh, talking with Ashley, and I said, well, that's going to impact the grosses next week for Jagged. Uh, if they offered refunds to everybody, they lose one-seventh of their, of their grosses there. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, they, uh, it was in the middle of the second act. Uh, and they couldn't continue because they had an evening performance. Right. So uh, that wasn't there. And you're heading back on a plane uh, this afternoon, and you're doing um, – Correct. And you'll be back in the listeners' ears uh, for today on Broadway on Tuesday morning? Correct. All right. Uh, does that give you much time to do your self-taping for the uh, casting for 13, the musical, the movie? <laughs> no. Are they, are they doing uh, – are they opening that up now? Yes, they are doing that. Uh, 13, the musical, the movie is uh, looking uh, internationally for their cast to be shooting for the summer of 2020 in New York and Toronto. Um, And they are really looking for, uh, uh, as Jason put it, this is is not a... uh, this is not, you know, a typical nationwide casting searches are just publicity things. He said, this is not it. We have nobody right now. And uh, they're truly looking for a cast for 13, the musical, the movie. All right. I also saw that the upcoming Broadway revival of The Music Man is looking for a Winthrop. Yes. So I guess if I'm going to do one, I might as well do both. Exactly. I think that that's reasonable. I can play a lisp. <laughs> Perhaps uh, they were wondering if you had an additional 76 trombones with you. I I do not. I do not. All right. All right, Matt. uh, Why don't you get us out of here? Uh, All right. Well, I do want to remind people that this is coming to you in the Patreon feed, but on Sunday night, I dropped a massive episode of the first uh, recap episode of the first two episodes of the NBC musical TV show. I struggle to say either drama or comedy, which Jen and I talk about Um, Zoe's extraordinary playlist. If you have missed Jennifer McHugh and I talking about TV, this is your chance to hear it. We spent about an hour and it's ended up close to being an hour and 42 minutes recapping those two episodes and also talking a little bit uh, about our top five favorite TV musical episodes and TV shows. So that is in the Patreon feed uh, as well. So it's a it's a jam packed feed today, James. All right. And you can uh, follow us at Broadway Radio on Facebook and Twitter and Patreon at Broadway Radio. So broadwayradio.com slash Patreon, patreon.com slash Broadway Radio to support Broadway Radio. Thank you so much, everyone, for all your support. 